This is season number 19 of Bass Talk Live with Matt Pangrak. BTL is presented by Lorenz, Bass Cat Boats, Aftco, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Pro Guide Batteries, Beatdown Outdoors, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, and Omnia Fishing. Hit him with the hook, Jeffries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. And yes, I've listened to the fans and the listeners of BTL who have said, dude, when are you going to get Bradley Holman back on? The Elite Series season is starting. There's a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, well, Bradley's been all over. He's everywhere right now. And then I was getting with him and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm over here. I'm picking up the boat. I'm working on the wrap. I'm trying to order tackle. I'm shooting YouTube videos. But we got him today. He's in the studio. He's in his office. What's up, Brad? What's up, man? What's up? Nothing. I saw you also got a sunglass deal sometime between last year and now. Those were quite the shades that you were trying on on your social media. I, I, I legitimately at first thought, oh, my God, Brad's going to actually wear those. And then you <laughs> said these are more my style. But. Yeah, I was really just playing with some different lens colors. That's really what I was looking at. That's the only frame I think that that, that particular lens color came in, but I wanted to try it. And so, but yeah, it's a Macho Man Randy Savage, identical. I actually looked it up and it's uh, the exact same picture of glasses. I feel like there's one uh, one scenario where you could wear those. And I think you need to keep them in the boat. And that would be when you find a 10 pounder. That's not a bad idea. I just don't buy many 10 pounders. I'm just saying, or, or, or a giant. I mean, you're going to have right, six right, spawning right. events. <clears throat> oh, I just turned into a 14 year old there for a second. Uh, you're going to have six spawning events this year <laughs> and you're going to be, I mean, you're going to be on fisheries that have some big ones. Right. So I think those are your, those are your lunker, lunker lenses. Those, those are your That's what you can call them. Call, call them the lunker lenses. The lunker lenses. Because there's the only way to look cool in those is when you're jacking big ones. Otherwise, you look like you're trying too hard, in my opinion. Yeah. How long have you had the uh, catch the, what was it, give them the hook mark? Is that brand new for 2023? Yeah, that's new. Oh, you like it? I, I, like I, I like that a lot. I was borderline on whether it was dorky or whether it was cool. No, it's uh, very fitting. I liked it. You did well yeah. with that. Just that line I probably recorded 18 times with different like vo- voice inflections <laughs> and different words, and I, I'd put it in there and take it out. No. Well, job well done. Thank you. What have you been up to? Man, just like with all the stuff that you just talked about, um, and I still do not have a boat yet. So when I leave next Thursday or Friday. You have so a boat. Week, it's just yeah, not your possession. Been, it's not in my possession. Um, it finished up on Monday or Tuesday. Anyway, I'm going to drive today to Tulsa. Um, the inclement weather that we've had has kind of kept me from going. I didn't see a need Monday to be driving a brand new rig through snow and ice. <laughs> Darren called me and he was like, uh, you think maybe you, uh, the guy from the boat wrap, maybe ought to not call or come get this thing whenever, uh, it's snowing and icing outside. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's not a, not a good idea. So at the house, I've got a walkway and it was two inches of just 
packed ice snow, like the real gnarly stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, I heard banging on my door yesterday. And I'm like, the heck is that? And I walk out, and there's probably a 12-year-old kid. And he's got like a like a digging shovel. Yeah. <laughs> like a like not a snow shovel, like a heavy metal shovel. Right. He said, Hey man, can I can I uh can I clean your driveway off for like five bucks or something? That's what he said, five bucks or something. I'm like, Well, I don't even Yeah, yeah, he got it. So I I had some ones is all I had. Well, he starts uh he starts digging. Hold on here. He starts digging on the driveway and he can't can't he's chipping it like six inches at a time. He he had undersold the job drastically. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching him out of the uh out of and it's just the walkway leading up to my house. And I'm watching him out of the window and this kid is really struggling. So after about 20 minutes, I go out and I say, Hey dude, I said, You got it good. I said, This is I said, this is ridiculous here. And he goes, he goes, No, it's actually really satisfying. I think I can get it done. I said, okay. So he came. I said, just knock on the door when you're done. He knocks on the door. I gave him 15 bucks. Dude, like, shook my hand, looked me in the eye, said, my name's, thank you very much. But he was elated with it. I was like, that that kid's going places. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I said, come back, come back when there's some grass that needs mowing. I said, I'll be able to hook you up with that one, too. Yeah. You know, it ended up not even being that bad, but my kids have been out of school for three days. And like I say, my boat sit up there at the wrap shop now for three days, and I haven't went to get it. well, I guess I'm going today, but uh, yeah, it's really not done much the last two days at all. Uh, speaking of your kids, I did want to bring this up. So you're on the Elite Series now, and it is your Elite Series profile. You now have, you know, hometown and family and all that. You probably need to update that because it doesn't <clears throat> have Abigail on the profile. <laughs> well, you know, after you've after, after three, you've only got three kids now on your profile. Yeah. Abigail's not on there. No, no. You, I would update that. Yeah, I probably probably because she's like your biggest fan, Abby. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's uh, she's seven years old now, so that's that shows you how long that's been. Wow. So the boats, the wrap, and the electronics, and mm-hmm. the rigging, and all that you pick it up. In yeah, the I pick next it up from the wrap shop. Yeah, yeah. Stan's got it down there, and uh, like I said, he called on Monday and was like, "Hey," and I was like, "Dude, I'm not pulling that." And, this storm there's no is that going to be an interesting can you, ima- can you imagine like going to pick up your boat brand new boat and totaling that thing sorry can you imagine totaling a brand new boat because you went to go get it in the snow and ice would that not be like the worst no, but it it would almost be as bad as what you did to your brand new boat on texoma that you told it <clears throat> the lucky yeah. lure elite series yeah that did happen can you tell that are you okay telling that story publicly yeah i'm good with it Dude, you got to tell that story. I think that's the best story you had. <clears throat> I mean, you, you literally basically did the same thing. You picked up a brand new boat and then you totaled it in the first time it ever hit the water. We uh, we had fished one Elite Series event at Amistad. So we'd fished the first Elite Series event. This was one of the years that we were going to California, the Delta and all that. Mm-hmm. It was your rookie season. No, it wasn't. It, was it wasn't? Second year, I think. Maybe third. Second. Who won was, the one on the 2000. Delta? 2007, that's what it was, because at yes. Brimitz, my roommate had just won Amistad. And he was a rookie. And he was a rookie. You were were you an original Elite Series guy? Yes. I did not realize you were an original. I thought yeah, you came on the My second. rookie season was the inaugural. You're right. There it is. Elite Series. 
I was in that big giant class of like 26 rookies. Okay. So yeah, 2007, it goes battle on the border. Yeah. And so then we you had finish the Central Open, and then you go to the Delta. So that's we're, right. We're correct. The Central Open was on Texoma. So I drove straight from Amistad up to Texoma. There was only a week in between. I had this all planned out where my wife was going to drive me to California as soon as the Open was over. And uh, so we um, – and I was just going to sleep. I mean, it was literally a back-to-back type deal. And I had been to Texoma a couple weeks prior before the I'd gone down to Amistad. And – apparently maybe the lake had risen or fallen fallen i guess is what the story would be but anyway there was a, a creek that i had uh there was multiple creeks that i had poked around in um and got done with amistad and i show up at texoma and it's like a saturday or sunday like i've got plenty of time like it's way before the official practice and everything starts and i'm backing in on a saturday or sunday probably uh morning no evening just after I just drove up there, and uh, it's late in the evening too. And uh, as I'm backing in at this boat ramp, uh, a buddy of mine, a good friend of mine, is actually pulling out of the water. He and his wife, and he's got a lake house down there at Texoma. I had no plans of running into him or seeing him. And I'm like, "Hey, man," he's like, "How was your day?" You know, and he's telling me, and I'm like, "Hop in the boat with me. I'll show you something you've never seen before." You know, and this guy spends every weekend of his life at Texoma. Timmy Albert, I'll never forget this. And so old Tim tells his wife, yeah, just just take, just pull the boat on up to the house, and uh, Brad and I will be back about dark. Well, he hops in the boat with me, and we run up the lake. And this, this creek was not easy to get into at all. It was uh, the mouth of it. Even just to get to it was pretty hard. It's, it's a long ways up the river. The river, the lake was a little low uh, for the springtime. It's in March. And uh, I take off up this thing, and it's one of those places where, like, some of the silt and silted in, you know, like across the mouth of this giant cove where the river's already like just to get into the big cove area is, is not easy. Mm-hmm. And so like, you can feel that skeg, you know, going across the sand and we're off and then we get into the big cove and then you run to the back of the cove and then right where the mouth of the Creek is, it's really silted in. And uh, I know it's going to be shallow, but I, I had ran out of it the week before I had gone in with her two weeks before I'd gone in with my trolling motor, figured out how to get in there. And now I'm running. And, uh, we, we, we skedaddle across the mouth of that flat and you can feel that skag just ticking. Brand new skag, brand new boat, brand new. I mean, it's been to one event wrapped, picked it up from Skeeter, Yamaha, Skeeter, Yamaha probably has the bass zone wrap on it. Guaranteed it does. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's got the bass zone wrap on it. Okay. And I'm, I'm ticking across this thing, and Timmy's just sitting over there, you know, relaxing, and we've got this brand-new Skeeter I-Class aired out. I'm probably running about 45 miles an hour, and we get into the mouth of the creek, and then as soon as you get in, it drops off and gets deep, and it's just a straightaway, and it's a straightaway for probably like, I don't know, almost a mile, I would say. Man, not that far, maybe three-quarters of a mile. And then it makes a hairpin turn, and right where it makes a hairpin ten- turn, it drops off to like 10 foot. And then the creek takes off. You just start fishing right there and go. Anyway, I, uh, I'm skedaddling across this thing and, uh, we're in, I, we've made it, you know, and Timmy's like looking, you know, and, and the straightaway, the banks are like 45 degrees just straight up. They're pretty steep. I mean, they go up over 10, 12 foot tall from the top of the surface of the water. And just out of nowhere, you just feel this slight vibration, like a boom. And you hear this pop. It's kind of loud. 
and I realize <laughs> that, you know, the boat's still gliding, but I have no control of the boat anymore. And it starts to meander and veer to the left straight at that bank. And I said, Hey, Timmy, I said, you might hold on. I said, uh, <laughs> I don't have any control of this boat anymore. And <laughs> as we get, you know, you can feel it coming and he just, he grabs the bottom of that seat and you can hear him yell, shit. <laughs> and, up up the embankment we go and as we go up it i'm thinking this boat's going to roll over on top of us you know yeah yeah because yeah, we're, we're we're moving at a pretty good clip and the boat goes up the embankment turns to the right and then goes right back down the embankment and lands in the middle of the creek and as we come to a stop it's like what the hell happened you know and you stand up and you know, your adrenaline and heart's going a thousand miles an hour and you turn around and there's no motor. <laughs> like you see nothing. Uh, <laughs> and uh the motor was still there. It was uh it was hanging on sideways. It it's was attached the by the cables yeah. or whatever whatever yeah. those hoses yeah. are that come out of the back, but all the pins and all everything that yeah, attaches it to the boat. Yeah, we're gone. So we're like, man, and like I still don't realize what happened at all. I mean, I don't know. I've hit something, but like I said, I had just run out of there two weeks prior. I'd gone in on trolling motor, not seen anything. And so then when I came out, I just turned around, put it on pad and came out. I didn't have any problems. Mm -hmm. Well, this was not the case. And so we, we, we got on trolling motor and, and we got out of the Creek, had to get back across that flat, uh, with that big motor back there dragging. And, uh, we got out of it and got into the cove and it was getting dark right at the moment. You could see these two lanterns uh, light starting to burn by the time we got out. Cause it took us an hour or so to get out of that thing. Right. And <clears throat> Timmy starts hollering at these, these guys with the lanterns and they're in a pasture. And I called uh, Brandon Mosley. <laughs> I think it's who I called Mosley and yep. three or four guys coming and come and we load that thing up in the pasture. They went and got my truck, but we literally pull it on the bank and, and, we have to get the motor completely disconnected and it takes like five grown men pick this thing up and we put it on the back deck of this brand new skeeter and strap it down. And, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I've got an open starting official practice, like the next day or so. And then, and then we've got to be in California. Well, the problem with being in California is, is there's two of them back to back and the elite series has rules that you have to run a rat boat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I've just destroyed my rat boat. So not real sure what I'm going to do here. So we loaded up. Timmy's like, Hey, just take mine. He's got a, he's got an older model champion. That's his, which is fine for the opens. I could fish the opens out of it. So I had to pick up the phone and call Darren Cole, who, who was a good friend of mine. And at the time he was marketing director at, at, at Skeeter. I called him at midnight, his Ooh. phone ringing. <laughs> and that's he never answers, good. No. And I was like, uh, not going to believe what I've done tonight. So I explained to him my situation. And uh, luckily at the time, um, Darren was like, look, man, it's no big deal. You got a boat to fish the opens? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, it's fine. He said, uh, "He said, have your wife or somebody come down here to the factory. And I've got my demo boat. It's, it's brand new. It is wrapped with a Skeeter wrap. Mm -hmm. He said, just come get it and take it to California. So that was that was very awesome news at the time and i did my wife went down and picked it up from him and you had a skeeter, good derby down there gave me in california boat. too yeah had, had a good derby in california i think uh delta yes clear lake no does that sound right 
I believe so. Hold on. Let me let me make sure here. It would have been uh one second, 2006. 2007. Yeah, Delta, yes, 29th. Clear Lake. Now, this is deceptive because it's not like you didn't catch him at Clear Lake. You had like 16 and a half pounds a day at Clear Lake and finished 97th. Yeah, that's when uh, the uh, advent of the uh, the true swim baits happened. Like they were everywhere there. Oh, that was the Kennedy swim bait. Yeah. What was. do you remember about that? Were you guys going? Oh, he's so catching there, here, them here, here's, how, a, here's another great story. Like we had never seen. I personally had never seen anything like what they had up there. And so we get up to. We went. We went with Delta first, and I had a decent tournament there. And then, mm -hmm. um, and then we go to. Uh, and I, I, I'm doing good. I think I'd cash the first two checks of the year. Yeah, you finished four. You, you were on yeah. a little bit of a streak. Yeah, Remitz won the first one. And, but uh, you went 45th, 5th, and 29th. You did in the first three tournaments of 2017, you did $30,000. Right. And uh, my roommate's sitting there. You know, we've got two trophies because he never stops. So we've got first place trophy in the in the hotel room. And we've yep. got and we got a second place trophy in the hotel room. Yep. So that's kind of how he started off. So, like, we're, we're <laughs> feeling our oats. <clears throat> but – uh, Chris Lane had hollered at me one morning. Uh, we got up to Clear Lake, and it was Sunday morning before our official practice started. And he was like, hey, man, you want to go to breakfast at this place? It's right across the hotel. And I was like, yeah. And so we go over there, and as we're walking to breakfast, holy cow, there's this huge tackle store right here in downtown. Is that Lake Lakeport? Is that the name of that town? That would be, that would be Lakeport. Chris Lane and I walk in this. I'll never forget this. 2007. 2007. The entire wall. The entire wall was bass tricks, which we had never seen, right? Mm -hmm. Chris was from Florida. Um, I was from Oklahoma. Had you heard about him at that point? I think I may have heard the name a time or two, yeah. but I had never. But you never... have to remember, you could, couldn't just go on and order them right then. No. I mean, it wasn't like you had social media or anything. It was like Bassmaster Magazine, FLW Magazine, right. newspaper articles, and some internet stuff. Yeah. I'll never forget. Chris is like, what are those? And the guy standing there that works there is like, those are bass tricks. You've never heard of those? And we were like, no. <laughs> and they were the entire wall. And so, um, obviously, we needed to buy some. And we both loaded up with them. And uh, back to that 16-pound bag, the first morning of the tournament, I'm throwing that bait. Like, I don't have a clue how to throw it, but I'm throwing it. And I probably had 20-pound worth of bites and just didn't even know it i'm throwing that swim bait out there like just firing it on this spot that i've got that i'm starting on in the morning and, and those fish are just like going tick tick and i'm just whining going damn it when is one of them going to eat it tick tick this happens for four or five casts tick and i'm like i know that was a bite and that, they're like they're they're missing it you know i'm, I'm expecting mm -hmm. it to be like a spinner bait you know like load Dang. up and yeah no so about the sixth cast, I fired out there, you know, and I'm reeling and he goes tick and I set the hook. And when I set the hook, it, the rod just loads and I'm like, oh my God, I've missed all those fish. This They've morning. been completely inhaling it, mm -hmm. swimming with the bait mm -hmm. and you've mm -hmm. just been pulling it out of their mouth. Another one would pick it up. I mean, you were pulling yeah. the whole school. Right. So, um, you know, I, I go on with that thing, but then I, I don't know if I put it down or what, but you know, you don't throw it. I didn't throw it as much as I should. I should have thrown nothing else but it. That's what yeah. I should have done. Well, or honey, a bigger you don't one. know that. Grab the biggest ones, but uh, anyway. That's the uh, one thing I guess that's kind of with the accessibility to so many baits and as hard as it is. Like, I, I don't think you get the that anticipation 
of getting a bait in your hand that you've heard so much about that you think like the beaver. I remember being in Southern Illinois and walking into a tackle shop and being like, Oh my gosh, they have the sweet beaver here. Yeah. And my buddy Darren and I just, I mean, I was, you know, 18, maybe 19. And we Mm -hmm. just loaded up on sweet beavers because we'd heard so much about them yeah, and read so much about them, but couldn't get them. We go stop at every tackle store on the way down to Southern Illinois. Clay Clay Williams was talking here about how it's crazy. We knew what it was uh, just by sight. We knew how good it was because the entire freaking wall was it. And of course, we had heard nothing but about mm-hmm. swim bait this and swim bait that and the hitch that lived in that lake. And I had actually seen those hitch in practice, so I got the the gist of. Well, I guess that was before the practice started. I. I had, we'd heard about the hitch and how, how big they were. Um, but then once I saw them in practice and how stupid they were, they would run around in these little schools together. And it was like, you know, like minnows in a minna bucket, the way they would sit in school in a circle and they're huge, you know? So it, it was, it was obvious that we needed to be throwing some big stuff there. And so talking, uh, Bill McNutt said, Darren Gates. And I said, yeah, Darren, that's my buddy I was talking about. <laughs> He's apparently listening too because he said, keep my name out of your mouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you ever, did you ever do the madman money, money, who mo- madman Mooney ham craw that you could pack with a rattle that is, it's basically like the yum craw bug. You know what I'm talking about? Did you ever, was the madman craw big here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it first came out, uh, I think Crete was pushing some of that mad madman stuff. So yeah, it was uh, that was a lot of stuff that looked really good, and we bought a bunch of it. But I never caught very much on it at all. Here, I'll show for those of you who uh, don't know what we're talking about. I I, I dropped a couple of hundies on that kind of stuff. I think back in the day, right there, the madman, the madman craw, and you could take you could take this and you could shove a rattle up in it, and then you could do an EWG. And uh, the hookup ratio was like three out of 10. It's very poor. There's a lot of plastic and a lot of gap and a lot of bite that you had to get through, but it was kind of the, one of the first most realistic uh, crawl out there. I think that uh, yum makes it now. Right. Same kind of the same mold. I wonder whatever happened to him. He did like a lizard and some other stuff too. I don't yeah. know, but I, I hated that bait. That bait was terrible to fish. It kind of spun as you dropped oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Huh. How were, were you fishing that Bastrix back then on a weighted hook or on a jig head or weightless? Because I think when it first came out, if I remember, or the, when I first got them, like Falcon hooks yeah. made the only kind of screw, like the, it wasn't even a screw lock. It was the only weighted offset hook on the market at the time that was like strong enough and could hold that six inch paddle tail yeah and i believe that's what we were throwing it on i believe that that tackle store at the time had those falcon weighted hooks and that's what we were using in a five odd or maybe a six odd but we didn't realize you know we didn't know back then that you could cut the bellies and all the little tricks that we learned later on um to use with that bait we didn't learn for years later i think there were two major or three major things with bass tricks aside from the fact that they caught fish and were hand-dipped and were West Coast and hard to get, that three major events in fishing that really put them on the map, that would be the obviously the uh, that Clear Lake event, right? And then yeah. Jay Yellis had a year right around then on the FLW tour where he like threw it exclusively for the entire year. 
Yeah, that's that? a, yeah. I remember him on some docks at like Dina, yeah, just wrecking them. Or and it was it was a magical thing. And then a couple years later, when they came out with the this was another Remitz deal and Skeet deal at Gunnersville. Remember, they came out with the seven, eight inch Bastrix mm-hmm. that were giant, and all mm-hmm. those guys you cutting it mentioned it. But I mean, big giant ones, and that kind of gave a resurgence of it. I still have some of those packs from 2013, 2014 of those big giant Bastrix in there. I bet there were some now because I don't think they make those anymore. I have four or five of those, you know, big giant eight inch Bastrix packs. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we're going to take our first break of the day. Uh, Bradley Hallman, first appearance in 2023. This kind of fit. This kind of fits into where I want to go in the next segment because uh, I want to get into Brad as he prepares for the 2023 Elite Series season. His thoughts on some of the most overrated tournament baits and some of the most underrated tournament baits as he packs his Phoenix. For the 2023 season. You good with that? I'll give you a couple minutes to think about that as we, we take our yeah. commercial break. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. BTL on a Wednesday, February 1st. We'll be back right after this. Introducing HDS Pro. Watch fish reacting to your lure live with Active Target 2. Get game-changing clarity in the megahertz range with the new Active Imaging HD Sonar. Find the richest fishing spots with CMAPS charts. Take full control of your boat with the ultimate fishing system. HDS Pro. The more you see, the more you catch. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough. And I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up. You're bad about getting water runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down rain. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got enough pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the waterman brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you want to just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting straps we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down elite series pro daryl gleason here My ProGuide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. 
The best part about ProGuide Batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. All right, welcome back, BTL. You're gonna have to beat that guy next year, Bradley, if you want to. <laughs> if you want any shot at the Angler of the Year, he's Mercer's yeah. pick for uh, for back to back AOYs. He picked him this year or last year before the season even started. Yeah, and then he picked him again. That's I mean, you nice, fish against nice him, you know, pick. Brandon. He fishes some of the opens, but now, I mean, he's. Yeah, I think he. Uh... I was there whenever he first came. Mm-hmm. I remember his rookie season yeah. for sure. Let, let me ask you this. Be honest with me. Have you ever been intimidated by anybody on the water? Is there anybody that you've launched that you've been in a tournament with where you are, oh, yeah. are a little taken back? I oh, mean, yeah. because it seems like you're unflappable. No, early in my career. No, no, no. All right. Who? 2006, 2007, 2008. I was in pretty much all of all of the guys that you would expect. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the sport, just like you, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I followed it, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty intimidating to be around some of those guys at certain times. Just like the icons, like the cluns and that, or absolutely, and and even even the hackneys. I mean, guys that were close to my same age but had been there and already made a name. Uh, I remember Hackney being very intimidating at the time. Uh, Van Dam, I didn't even talk to Kevin. I was scared to death of him. You know, you just nod, you know, if he asked me a question. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I, I wouldn't talk. Um, so yeah, I was definitely intimidated. Are not you, so, not so much now. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you cool? Are you? I feel like you and Hackney have a lot of similarities just as far as interests and thought processes and telling it how it is and stuff. Are you good yeah. buddies with him? No, I wouldn't say good buddies. We're definitely, uh, definitely have sent texts back and forth a little bit through the years, I got over you. different things, but no, not, not super close. Um, you know, he's, a. Uh, we've, we've been in different places too for a long time. Right. So, I mean, we haven't been on the same circuit or done anything. Um, and, and he's a, he's a lone wolf on the water. You know, so, um, no, I, I wouldn't say that at all. Did I had Tommy on, I think I, what is Wednesday? I kicked the week off with Tommy. Yeah. And, uh, he, I didn't know it was ish that coined that I went from here to the dam. Yeah. That phrase, <laughs> he said that yeah. that was an ish thing. And he also said, I ran the, uh, Michael Neal pocket knife ad and, you know, Biffles, whatever, waiting for me to come back. And you hear that, that. EDC pocket knife click open and Biffle. I'm watching him down and below the screen and he just zoom like a hawk. He's all about the pocket knife ad. So when we came back, I asked him about the Alcutcha and he said that was also an ish deal. That ish yeah. was on stage and Tommy was like, I catch you. Have you ever gotten run out of a creek by Tommy Biffle? Cause you fished against him in a lot of freaking different things and you guys fish the same and you know the best stretches when it's up in the bushes. Have you ever had the infamous Tommy Biffle? I went from here to the dam. No, no, never. He- no, now I, I, you know, I've definitely heard the stories. 
Um, for whatever reason, him and Butcher used to always end up in the same places in the tournament, yep. and they I would always they would they would always have these little arguments, and I would hear about them at night from Terry. But uh, <laughs> no, Tom, Tommy and I were closer. I, I knew him a little better. We'd we'd stay together, and we would run together coming out of Oklahoma. Sometimes he would call, and we would drive, and then split a hotel room, like if we were going to South Carolina mm -hmm. or something. Um, so I knew Tommy a little bit better. But uh, no, I never I never had any issues with Tommy at all. I, I knew that a lot of his his mystique was uh he 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 just had a intimidating influence. It was manufactured. Yeah. Well, all of them are manufactured to some extent. You know. I don't know. There's some guys that are pretty grumpy to be around, I think. You're I think intimidated they, by you're intimidated by Jason more than anybody on the planet, probably. Yeah, I mean, I've never actually. I mean, I fished across from him on one of the days on the in the river when he was trying to get back onto the Elite Series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would not like to pull into a pocket that he's in. <laughs> yeah. But you wouldn't have any issues with that. You said he's chatty, like when you room with him, that he talks all the time. You have to be like, Jason, shut up! I'm trying to go to sleep. Nah, he's not chatty like that. But he talks like you and I talk. Yeah. I mean, this was no, years ago. Well, I haven't, I haven't roomed with him in years. But yeah, when we were younger, he yeah, doesn't he just. Talks. It's not like you sit there and talk for half an hour, and he just no. gives you a look. No. Well, that's no. how he is with everyone else. Yeah. Well, we've known each other since we were pretty young. Uh, I know. I know. That's how it is. Uh, hit me up with what you got. What you got new? What you got new this year? Because I know you've picked up some. I've you yeah. know you've picked up some new sponsors uh, and have some of the old ones so yeah so i have everybody that i had last year um nothing's changed i've got spro gamagatsu uh big bite okay afco all that's the same um i picked up four new ones i picked up waterland sunglasses i picked up uh, pro guide batteries who you're with yeah and uh, beat down mounts who's with btl as well with, with that too we have very congruent sponsors imagine that I didn't, uh, what are you doing lithium wise? Let's go through each one because the pro guide I had Matt Looney in, and I'm doing two thirty sixes parallel mm -hmm. trolling motor. And yep. on the drive, just listen. I'm proud that I know what my batteries do. I'm going to tell you. I'm listening. I'm listening. Then on the driver's side, I have two AGMs because I'm old school. Mm -hmm. Those are also in parallel, and that runs everything else. That's and then I have setup. the power. Then I have the power pole charge. That's a great setup. What What is your setup? Well, I, like you, have always been old school, and I've had the AGMs parallel. Um, this year, I decided to make the move to Ooh. yeah to, to lithium. So I have two 12-volt lithiums uh, paralleled side-by-side -side for cranking and all the electronics. And um, then I have, I have two, like you, 36-volt um lithiums for the troller but i have a third one mounted in the middle but it's it's primarily for me and my own self like we were talking about this yesterday to castle nine and i were about just our my own dude i'm the world's worst of waking up in the morning on day two or day three of a tournament and stack them out to my boat and realizing i did not plug it in the night before and uh that's just reassurance. So it's not tied in all the time. It's a it sits there hot and ready in case I needed it at any point. Because one of those 36 volts will run you all day, you know. It, it'll go all day. There's no doubt about it. It's just two of them gives you some peace of mind. And and the few tournaments that we have that you're just standing on a trolling motor, um, if you're topwater fishing or something where you would be on high all the time, sight fishing. Um, 
that's okay. what the two are for. But uh, I have the third one just in case anything out of the ordinary pops up. Okay. And then, sorry, I wouldn't was cut you off while you were doing the list, but I just didn't want to pass it up. And then you said Waterland. That's a new deal. You got the hat on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Pro Guide batteries. We just talked about yep. that. Uh, beat down mounts. That's ex- that you're going to love that. Yeah. And uh, the new one that I'm really excited about is Omega Tackle. So I think that the only pro staff they have, pro staff is Zach Burge, myself, and then Taylor Watkins owns that now. So mm-hmm. Omega is kind of a cool story because, you know, like I said, Remitz was with me, uh, my roommate. Yeah, he ran the Omega rap back years. in 06, 07, Yeah, and he kind of put the Omega football jig on the map at Amistad that first tournament. That was – Taylor Watkins, who owns it now, we were kind of trying to do the math. I think that was four owners ago, basically, of Omega. Omega's changed hands three. I think he, I think Taylor would be the fourth owner since since then. So kind of a cool history. Ozark-based, Lake of the Ozark-based jig company. Falls very much in line with all the LBJs Are you, that I like. Uh, I mean, they're a jig company, and you you have some jigs in your back pocket. There, I do. There is, is a very good chance that you see a true original LBJ. Yeah. Really? Yes, there is a good chance. Yep. That's big news, Brad. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Taylor is too. We're both yeah. excited. And still with Falcon and all that then. Oh, yeah. Nothing's changed. Falcon. All right. Uh, you got me thinking here. This is why I've been a little five the the top five guys currently going right now that would be that all find the same spot and they show up in the same pocket stretch area at the same time for the biggest cluster on earth. Like the five guys who are the worst or are notorious for not liking to share water with anybody in a perfect yeah. world. They all show up and okay. they all have cameras. Okay. We're doing it. So like, here are my four, and this will change because you're in it too. Because I was pulling it up, but I've got Tommy Biffle, Matt Heron, Todd Castledine, and David Mullins as my four right now. Who who would not? Who, I mean, you're talking about the uh, all four. All everyone's looking at the other four, going, "No, y'all four need to leave," and the other guys going, "Oh, you think I believe it? No, you four need to leave." Um, what, are those all fair? Yeah, I don't know if Todd Todd's not that hard to be around. Um, Hackney needs to be in that group. Hackney? Hackney is, oh, yeah. He's terrible. Okay, so we'll take Todd out. Yeah, Todd's a little too ADD. He's pre- he'll probably just move on and say, yeah, and he fishes so fast, dude. He's like Van Dam. He's coming through and he's there for five minutes and then he's a mile down the okay, bank. He doesn't so we ever, got, we got Tommy, Tommy Biffle. Matt Heron belongs in there, right? Absolutely. So Tommy Biffle, Matt Heron, Greg Hackney. Do you think David Mullins does? Yes. I haven't even fished against Mullins that I can recall. I'm friends. I've heard with a lot talk, of a lot of like if you stop within sight of him, he'll he'll he's like a hawk. He'll come to you to let you know that you need to move. I uh, I've noticed on a lot of video. I was actually going to give him a little bit of a hard time about that whenever I first see him, but because uh, I spent a lot of time just kind of mm-hmm. getting to know who I'm fishing against, and uh, I've noticed a lot that he's uh, he's not very comfortable with uh, boats around him. No. Even even in offshore stuff like he like at Lake Fork last year, he 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 gets a little upset. Okay, so, so we we need to add one to this. Uh, I feel like Kevin's just used to all that. He avoids that, so he he would never 
Van Dam would never stay in a situation like that. Yeah, he can he fish, just he can fish in a crowd or by himself. Uh, it's guys that do not like to fish in a crowd. It's guys he, that like to get off by their yeah. Shows. Randy Randy Tharp is a easy one just because of the thing with him and Heron, which is awesome that that went down. But I I mean he can also he. he I, I mean, he could also be pretty agreeable. I don't think that he's. Yeah, he's he spent so much time in Florida. You have to yeah. be agreeable. I'm trying Everybody's to think. I'm going through Andy Morgan. No. No. Cliff Pace. I think he just put his head down and grind it out. Yeah. Uh, Poche. He'd never put his boat in where four other guys are. He'd, he'd find the creek off of the cove that they're fishing, and then he'd front it up at at 30 miles an hour. How about Lefebvre? I can tell he's not. He's not. I don't know about Dave. I could see Lefebvre being hard to be around. I can tell he's not going to say anything. He's just going to fish wherever he wants. Like he's not going to respect anybody. He's just if your if your line's in the way of where he wants to go, he's going. Yeah, no, I'm talking about guys who are gonna. Yeah, they're gonna vocalize their displeasure with the other fellow competitors. <laughs> Crete. No. Russ Lane. Why? <laughs> Possibly. Uh, not. I'm looking through it. Brent Height. No. Oh, how about Edwin? Is Edwin good at sharing water? Yeah, he can do either. He can do in the group or he can be by He can himself. be. Yeah, I think he could be really politically correct, though. So he could see the benefit maybe in, in it being friendly in that situation to get repeat. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of them will kind of draw the line depending on who it is. Right. So like right. when I, when I was younger, like I said, um, and I started, you know, I probably got pushed out of some stuff that I wouldn't get probably pushed out of today. Um, they probably don't even try, but back then they're like, I want from here to the dam, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to go through the elite series list. Cause we still need one. I don't uh, belong on this list by the way at all. Oh, how about Jason? I thought about that, but he he's somewhat like Poche. Like, if there was five boats there, he ain't staying. He's out. He's not going to say anything to anybody. Now, yeah. dude, he's not even bad. I mean, historically, he hadn't been bad in tight places because I know people that he's worked with that, you know, he got into backwater stuff that was small and hoping that he had it to himself and didn't and had, you know, another competitor and they worked something out every time. So, yeah, no, I don't think he's bad. Okay. Ooh, uh, you know who's – you know who might sneak into this list? And this isn't that they're bad. This is just hold your ground. Yeah, personality. Keith Combs isn't afraid to mix it up at all. At I, all. I agree with that. Right now, I'm going to put Keith down as number five. I'm going to put Keith down as number five, but that could change. Now, am I still on that list? Or did you I never No, you're list. not. You're not on okay. that list. We've yeah. seen the, the confrontation in the creek video. You're very reasonable. Yeah. Very reasonable. You either go to the back or start here and I'll go to the back. So we got Tommy, Matt Heron, David Mullins, Hackney. We got, and Keith Cohn, we got a four elite series guys. <laughs> Brian, Brian Schmidt could, could be on that. Yep, I see that in the Brian I Schmidt see. could too. He, yep. he could. Cause when he gets even on his offshore stuff, like when he gets around, he, he doesn't like anybody around him. No. How about Hanselman? I don't know. Um, maybe I, at Amistad he's a little, but no, I don't think so. I think Hanselman's. 
Scott's not afraid to fish in a crowd. No, not at all. You know what? I think we're going to have to go with Keith Combs. Keith Combs or Brian Schmidt? Which one are you? Read the list to me again. They both belong on it. <laughs> Tommy Biffle, Matt Heron, David Mullins, Greg Hackney, and then either Keith Combs, Brian Schmidt. I got it. I know who the fifth is, and it's a dark horse. John Sokup. Ooh, correct. It is. Sorry, Keith, you're on. John Sokup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy's like the newly. He's the new, the new WWE sign side, and he's gonna come in, and he's gonna be like, "Whose intro music is that?" And he's gonna be like, "I'm here from the top rope, day yeah. one of Florida." Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a bull in the china closet. I hear. So, I am. Um, I don't know. He's the biggest one of the bunch, too. So, you know. Yeah. All right. That's the good stuff. No, Frank Scalish is not. Yeah, Frank Scalish probably would be on that list. Lee Lives say I've never fished around or I don't think mm -hmm. I fished around Lee in any of the opens, so I don't know. All right. That's our list then. The five guys that we'd like to see in a cove at one time, all trying to freaking cast for cash Tommy Biffle Matt Heron David Mullins Greg Hackney and John Sokup next time we do this we need to make a list of the top five that'll just pull in on your stuff while you're there oh we could do that now <laughs> we can make some enemies <laughs> right now it's your it's your you deal. can make a list of five guys that are never coming on BTL ever again yeah okay but no look at we got to do the opposite side of it then the top five most agreeable pros that if someone's in the area you're like thank god it's this guy Right. So obviously, number one is James Niggemeyer. Right. Yeah. James just isn't going to talk either way. Yeah. I mean. There's a bunch of guys that are not. And like I said, this isn't good or bad. I mean, I would, I would have to throw, uh, I'd have to throw a number of guys in there. There's a bunch of nice guys out there on tour. Not that the other guys aren't nice. It's just like, do you see a distinction between competition and off the water? Do you see, are you the exact same Bradley Hallman personality, decision-making wise, everything on day three or day four of a tournament with someone as you are in the parking lot when it's all over and said and done, or do you I, see I, the I water think, as a playing field? I think everybody sees it a little bit different. It took me a while to understand that, that, that there is a difference. Um, I'm good. I'm just not going to be taken advantage of, which, you know, had happened when I was younger. And what I mean by that is, it's like, you know, Day one, day two, most things can be dealt with conversation. As as long as 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 there's conversation about something, you can figure out which way to go. Generally speaking, um, the fishery depicts a lot of what's happening. And if you don't understand, like when you're on a thirty thousand acre lake and there's all of you there, and you've got a guy like Biffle who wants from the creek to the dam, that's that's unrealistic. That's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> when you're on Sam Rayburn and there's only a hundred of you, then it, things are a little bit different. Um, I never understood me personally, the offshore stuff at Kentucky Lake. It was so big and those guys would gang up four and five on a spot, but that's what started happening and it's become commonplace. A lot of that's just conversations. Um, I'm going to start the day off with it. And, and, and the other thing is, is you can't have a conversation 500 feet away with both your big motor running and him on a trolling mm -hmm. motor and trying to cast and he's focused that's the thing i hate you know you pull up to try to talk to a guy first thing say it's monday morning or thursday morning the first morning of tournament 
And he's more interested in looking at his cast than to take 10 seconds to turn to you and figure out, because it's obvious you're wanting in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, have a damn conversation. You know, you want me to leave? If you want me to leave, it's fine. But tomorrow when the boat flip, takeoff, I'm sitting here, you're going to do, you're going to return the same. A lot of guys will tell you yes. And then after they bust 25 pounds off of it, you've let them have it. Then day two comes in the morning and the morning feeds on there and you're the first one there. They ain't leaving. They're going to come right in on top of you after they just told you to leave and they would leave the day before. So you kind of got to know a little bit of history about some of the guys, how they, how they behave and whatnot. Um, I just, I personally will treat everyone the same way that I'd want to be treated. It's just got to have the conversations up front. So you'll fish an area differently depending on who you know, who else is fishing that area. There's guys who you know are going to honor honor it and guys who you know are going to burn it down. So if there's chances, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'm going to do it because of that, but I'm definitely going to have a little bit different conversation. Like I am going to be very pointed about it. How do you learn all these unwritten rules at the high level? I get asked that a lot. A lot Did of you get taken have- advantage of or used or? You know, um, people don't respect what, you know, you, you know, you give other people respect and they don't, they don't respect it back. You can just tell what, by their boat positioning and control and what they, what they fish and what they don't. So, so guys who come into this thing and don't have, you know, fish two, fish three opens and well, make, see, yeah, have look, only turn- we're, we're talking about th- this is a personality trait. Yeah. 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 So but all, how did they learn all these things? Well, just like, just like there's a, a lot of listeners here right now, everyone has a different mindset and there's a lot of guys whose minds are black and white, right and wrong. Well, then there's a lot of guys whose minds are, there's a lot in the gray, and this is competition. You go do whatever the hell you yeah. want to do. Um, you just got to realize who you're dealing with. What, where, where is he at on that, you know? Life's not black and white, and I get that. But um, there's – my feeling is there's it's a big lake and there's a lot of fish out there. But, man, sometimes those schools that you find in practice, that one or two places that's really got some fish on it, it's hard to just – walk off and leave. And when your boat, when you draw a boat 100, it, it sucks. Yeah. Do you think it should be more black and white? Do you think there should be more rules about like, go back to the anchor rule and the trolling motor rule and 50 yard rule and penalties. All, all if you pull in, was, do you, all, all those rules just caused more problems. So it, it, it's a self-policing gray yes. area on yes. that, that, that is malleable. Yeah. Should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a weird yeah. deal. It's yeah. a weird deal. I mean, and the, and the guys that are the and the guys that are, the guys that are pushy got that way because they learned somewhere through it by being pushy. They got their way. You know what I mean? They got or they got they or they were nice and got burned, and it cost them immensely. Could could be that too. I don't know that there was ever a time that Tommy was just super nice and got burned, but it could have been. <laughs> You know, back in the day, Tommy Tommy was always the last boat in the water, helping, on, every, helping everyone else launch. There's a, there's a, there's a, I got biscuits in my boat. You want one? Look, it's competition at the end of the day. That's what it is. So, you know, you got to take that for what it's worth. And uh, you got to be able to give as good as you can take. And you got to be able to take as good as you can give. That's what some of them aren't as good at, is taking as good as they give. All right, we're going to take our final break, and then when we come back, we I do want to get into what you feel like are the most overrated and underrated baits that are that are in everybody's boat going into the Elite Series season right now. Uh, All right. BTL with Brad Hallman. We'll be back right after this. Great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm and the Ramtail Craw, great for a flipping jig, 
football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country. And I think it's gonna catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors including Pearl Shad which has this bleached out white look but it's got this pearlescent really really pretty. We've got Copper Shad which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back really really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the Matte Sexy Shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you wanna give them a little different look, that Matte Sexy Shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns back by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is gonna handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. 
All right, we're back with Brad Hallman. Boy, the comment section really lit up over that last segment, Bradley. Yeah, I do agree that uh, I agree with the one with the uh, part of Denny Brower. You do? Well, I like this one. Um, <clears throat> Anthony says, I can see Castledon flipping a switch from having a simple conversation to pulling out a bat, depending on the other angle. <laughs> no. No? No. Oh. Well, uh, Drunkwood thinks Todd would just rip his shirt up, offer a baby oil up and down his body, and then hit him with an overhand volleyball serve. <laughs> now, he may do that. Now, Todd's pretty uh, – He's he's got his stuff in check. He doesn't he doesn't lose his cool, but good thing he doesn't. That guy's too good a shape. He'd hurt all of us. That's an interesting comment. Uh, he said I ran into Hallman at a BFL and you follow last year. We both got to an area close to the same time. We both went opposite opposite directions and gave each other plenty of space. Gosh, I can't talk. Plenty of space. Plenty of space. It was just the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I, I haven't had many confrontations on the water. I try to respect everybody the same as I'd want to be treated. Uh, most overrated baits that's in everybody's boat. It does not, it not like actual individual bait, but style of baits. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on that? That that you're gonna have in your boat, and that you'll most likely not throw, but you, you're gonna have it in your boat because it's always in your boat. Uh, there's some that I won't even have in my boat. So this when is, is gonna hurt your feelings a little bit. Um, I'm not gonna have a glide bait in my boat. Will not. Do not have a huge stash of them. Don't throw them. Not me. Okay. Yeah, I told you. I told you it hurt your feelings. I think that's super situational. Well, I mean, I think I heard Jason talking about this not too long ago. Like, he's kind of on the same page I am. I mean, how many how many tournaments have been won with a have we had a with MLF a, event or a Elite Series event? One with not exclusively. It's added a fish or two in some. That's it. But yeah, no, there hasn't been a predominant glide bait victory. And trust me, Chris has tried <laughs> multiple times. Oh, I understand times. there's been people to try. Yeah, just, which would which know. would lend to your your theory that it might be a, a little bit mm-hmm. overrated when it comes to tournaments. Anything else? That's the one that just sticks out. Um, I knew that would hurt your feelings because I know how much you like them because you're always telling me, hey, check out this glide. And you've mm-hmm. actually gotten me to purchase some very expensive glides. And uh, anyway. They're, they're situational, though. Like like in practice, you could pull one out and it might show you where some Situation for me is in, at my pond in front yard and see, but even there they don't eat it. So I, I don't know. Um, well, that's just not the right situation. I don't think it's the right watercolor. No. Anything else? I'm like that with a with a Cinco, dude, with a trick stick. Like I carry him. I got a whole. I got every trick stick and pro big bite soft plastic. Yeah, because because that thing that thing hasn't won any tournaments either, huh? I can't I can't recall (laughs) any time where I was like, heck yeah, caught him on the trick stick, like just that style of bait, or caught him on the Cinco. Dude, that thing's made so much money in Florida. It's not even funny. Outside of Florida, though, yeah, California, the Delta, Clear Lake. So it's that thing works. Over, that thing it's works. Not overrated in your book. In your book, no, no. What was the last time you threw a fluke style bait and smashed them? Well, I don't know about smashing them, but I throw them every time I go to Hartwell. <clears throat> Outside of that lake, I feel like everyone throws soft pla- has soft plastic jerk baits in their boat, and I can't. I mean, 
Man, I know a lot of guys that throw that thing and catch them pretty regular on them. Even really? even here in Oklahoma, yeah, yeah. It was it was a tournament winner at one time. So glide baits, it's about the only thing. Yeah, because I mean, big swim baits you can win with, and swim baits you can win with, but the glide is the one that's just like a little bit over the top. The other one for me would be like big top waters. Yeah, like the lunker plunker. Yeah. Yeah, that's too much. Yeah, we bought all those. I've tried those in many places, and they do work at times. Hundred percent, especially on, on lakes with big well. gizzard shad. Yeah. Under so underrated lures then that don't really get talked about but get used a lot. Well, the baits that get used a lot, I don't know that they're not talked about, but just like anything that resembles the original square bills, you know, the original one point fives, and that can be in any brand maker model. Those aren't as sexy as they used to be. No. With the advent of the they're utilized the all the time. Bladed jig and all sorts of those other little shallow power fishing stuff. All right, I'll tell you one that's not talked about nationally. Now where we live, yes, but nationally the spinner bait is still still a pretty good tournament bait. Um no doubt. And it's it's not it's not as, you know, the chatter bait is chosen over it way more. You know what always seems to show up but doesn't get talked a lot about is the spoon. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of guys, it seems like, in the top five, at BPT and Elite Series. Are you talking about the big flutter spoons? Or are you yeah, talking the flutter about the spoon. The, mm -hmm. the one that, I mean, I remember when, you know, remember Kate, Kevin came out and, you know, they had the Ben Parker spoon and you had the Kelly Jordan with the Lake Fork flutter spoon that kind of brought it onto the scene with uh, uh, ultimate match fishing back in the day. But then remember, Striking came out with the KVD and the flutter spoon and all that and... I mean, it seems like it keeps popping up year after year, anything from that six inch all the way to the mag spoon. And it's it's a technique that I still don't think a lot of people have mastered, but consistently shows up in the top 10 in tournaments when it is situationally appropriate. Yeah, to me, it's a rotational bait. You know, it's it's a bait that you're going to pull up mm -hmm. on something and, and you're going to put it in the rotation. So if you're going to throw... DeForest. Worldwide Watson spoon, same thing. <clears throat> yeah. I love me some DeForest. DeForest. He's one of the most educated BTL listeners. I put him up against anybody. Anyway, what were you saying about about the rotation of the spoon? I, I think that belongs in that category. Yeah, it's a rotational bait. It's not a bait you're just going to lock in your hand. Well, I guess you could. You could have at one point. that you just go around and throw nothing but it. But generally, it's a rotational bait. It's going to be mixed in with five or six other baits all right what else you got going on i know that you you took a little bit of a hiatus from youtube kind of yep. over the holiday season but it appears as though you're back with a vengeance a vengeance yeah. now yeah we've been rolling yeah definitely been dropping two a week what are you going to do this year? Have you talked about that really as far as how you're going to do coverage, how the, I mean, dude, everyone wants to follow your every move, especially the BTL listeners. Have you really kind of gone into what your plan is for the year? Yeah. Um, I've got a videographer, I guess is the word for it. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, with me all the time, Sukup and I both have got one. Uh, he's going to be in the house. So that keeps me from having to edit, which editing is, 90% of the time and crunch issue. <clears throat> Not so much for filming, but my plan is, it's just, I just want to create a lot of content um, while I'm on the road. So like take a lot of the fans 
with me to experience what it's actually like being on the Elite Series because a lot of the guys that follow me are not green or beginning fishermen. Most of my my group that follows me are pretty pretty educated tournament fishermen, um, all the way up to open guys and uh, Toyota guys and um, even some invitational guys and probably some tour guys. But my group is pretty uh, is pretty knowledgeable about the sport. Um, I realize that not everybody gets the opportunity to fish the elite series and I just want to kind of include them and uh, bring, bring them along to do that. Uh, I'm not going to be producing a lot of highly edited stuff. You know, it's not, my goal is not to make Brandon Polinick's type videos, you know, those yeah. guys are doing that and that's fine. It's going to be more just like what I've done from the beginning, you know, just like when I was learning how to uh, edit video and stuff. And it's just not that, that highly produced, but, um, it's going to be in the house, down the road, on the highway, in the restaurants, at the meetings, uh, on the water, all of it. And just try to keep a pretty good turnover and as quickly as possible. So if you're watching my channel, you're probably going to see a lot of stuff um, very next day. So whatever happens the day before, you're going to see a whole lot of it. Or maybe my thought and process on day one and how it went and my feelings about it and a little bit of highlight of it and then that be up the very next morning february 1st now how long do you have before you you leave for the actual derby i'm, I'm leaving next thursday or friday wow so you have a week mm -hmm. yeah and a lot of that i'll, I'll film a lot of that too because it's going to be a crunch over the next week so we're probably not going to have you on before the first elite series event uh no i mean it are you I know what you've kind of talked talked with me off air a little bit about what your goals, your expectations, what you could would consider success. Yeah. Publicly, what what do you say? Is it is it the same thing? I'll yeah. tell you what you told me. What I tell you? Classic and blue trophies. Yeah. That's you want to be in position to have a chance to win blue trophies and you want to make the classic because you haven't fished in a classic before and yeah. blue trophies equal classic yeah. and anything else that doesn't involve increasing your odds to make the classic or increasing your odds to win a blue trophy. You have no interest in. Yeah. And I, I, That's I what you've told me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean that to sound arrogant by any means because I realize what I'm going up against and, and uh, like yeah, I've, but you're I've also settled. not a rookie. No, but I'm not Kevin Van Dam either. And I know that. But, um, yeah, I, I want to go out and, you know, what I know that I had when I was younger that I lost somewhere through through the years was that ability to grind and the belief that if I kept grinding as hard as I possibly could, something would happen. Um, I went through a period where I felt like I was grinding all the time and, and it, it, it just didn't happen. And some of that shook, shakes you inside. But I've gotten that back. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go to, to the end of the earth without – stopping fighting like i'm gonna fight to the very bitter end so i i believe that with that you know um it, it the light does come on at some point when you keep fighting it does i mean you're not a coupe gallant you're not 21 years old this isn't nope. your first shot around this isn't your first trip around the elite series you've got the titles you got the trophy you're established you have a family you have multiple kids you're doing this to achieve goals that you set for yourself in life and i i don't think that sounds arrogant cocky anything at all i think it's badass yeah i think and it's I, awesome I, you're going into it going hey 
I've accomplished so much of this in my career. I'm almost at a million dollars. I have all these wins. These are things that I have not accomplished, and I am back to accomplish these things for don't, myself. Don't get me wrong. I learned a lot um, about points fishing just in the last three years. Um, having to fish the opens and trying to recall. Yeah, you live with me and John. You learn about every single point that might possibly be getting <laughs> right. lost. Right. And through and through that process, you know, I, I truly learned the value of a really good 60th place finish and what that means. And to understand that in practice and to make that the goal, you know, whether that be after a bad day one of the tournament or whether that be after just a bad practice altogether and being like, all right, this is not your week. You know, now anything can still happen, right? You could still get a bite or two during the tournament that, that changes that. But um, you got to know when to to try to lay up. And that's things that I haven't done in the past. And I will do this year for sure. So there's there's definitely going to be some of the things that I've learned over the last three years about laying up that I will use on the Elite Series for sure. That's good stuff. All right. Next video dropping on YouTube. What is it? Uh, I have absolutely nothing in the can. I'm sure that the very next stuff that I drop will have something to do with my brand new rig. The brand oh. new Phoenix with all of the Garmin's beat downs. Oh, that's going to be what you got 20, 24 hours before you pick that up. I'm picking it up today. You're picking it up today. Yeah. As soon as I get done here, I'm headed to family truck. When are you going to post about it? I imagine it will be up hopefully Thursday. Hopefully I get it all crammed in and, and I, we can get all that up by Thursday at 11 o'clock. That's good stuff. Dude, I know you're tired. You've been grinding. I greatly appreciate you jumping on BTL today to catch up the fans. It's what's what the fans wanted, Brad. Dude, I appreciate it. And we made a list and you managed to stay out of trouble. <laughs> I know. I know. Anytime we make a list with other anglers, you're like, dude, I'm going to end up in a cove with one of these guys and they're going to be like, Guess what, Brad? You're the one who said I was difficult. It's about to get difficult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last time we gave away the trophies, remember down at the stump, and we took we took some flack over that. Oh, we, invite, yeah, we, we invited we invited too many guys. Is what we did. Yeah, we were doing the top guys for uh, the BTL, like all BTL team for twenty twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. Was... Yeah, and we left out Jason Christie, who should have been in the top three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, this has been another edition of BTL Bass Talk Live. Brad Hallman. Dude, it's going to be awesome to watch you on the Elite Series. You got thousands of BTL listeners and fans that are supporting you, that will be following your, your journey, that will be watching Bass Live. Uh, wishing you nothing but the best as you take off next week and we see the announcement of the wrap and the boat and the electronics. And, dude, it's freaking happening. It's been really four years in the making. You coming back four years of this deal, and here we go. I'm excited yep. to watch it happen. Disappointed that I lost my buddy in studio every month, but I'm excited to watch it happen. Well, I'm excited to string you and John. I'm excited to string up some braided line and go throw up some weeds for the next two weeks. All right. Tomorrow, day four with Uncle Frank, and we have some news, some info about the day four uh color number seven that sold out in four minutes four minutes 304 minutes and then we crashed the site which we were like hey wouldn't it be funny if we glitched the site because of all the btl and that it happened and then we we're like ah it's not as funny as we thought it would but well, well we got some information about that tomorrow guys thanks for jumping on bradley thanks for the uh the hour plus and uh 
We'll talk to everybody tomorrow for day four. That's it. See ya.